Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This is episode 68. Happy to be here. I believe it's Friday, but these days are all the same. I think I've said that before, or maybe a different day. That could have been this day, or was it another day? Oh. <laughs> it is Friday, March 3rd. Days are flying by so fast, I cannot even get the right month. It is April 3rd. Friday. Hopefully you guys enjoy your weekend in these crazy times that we're having right now. But got to keep positive and have the best outlook that you possibly can. Hopefully you're getting some stuff down around the house, which everybody that I've talked to sounds like they are. Spending time with your family, beating some video games you haven't been able to do, reading some books you haven't been able to read, doing some stuff to improve your life improve the situation as much as we can. I am seriously going to keep this intro short. Usually I say that and then continue talking and talking and talking for another five minutes. See what I just did there? I kept talking and talking and talking. (laughs) Anyway, special guest, just like all the other special guests that I have on this show, Austin Plot. I met him as a LaSalle Peru boys bowler. Then I started working with him at the bowling alley in Peru, the Illinois Valley Super Bowl. Became pretty good friends, hung out a lot. He's done some paintings for me, and that's kind of why I wanted to get him on here, catch up with him in life in general, but the man is an amazing artist. Can paint like no other. His sports figures, he's done a lot of Cubs, a lot of Blackhawks, a lot of everything. Make sure you check out his social media, and his website, which he says in the very beginning of this conversation. Great chatting with him. Great dude. I don't want to skip anymore. Get to my weekend. Get to you listening to this amazing conversation. I say get to my weekend like I'm doing something awesome. I'm going to work and then doing some more podcasts. Oh yeah, that is awesome. (laughs) Anyway, check out Plockley. I call him all kinds of stuff. Usually starts with his last name, Plock, Plockley, Plock Anonymous, whatever. Real quick before we go, the plugs, then Austin Plock. Social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, Edge of Your CP. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Don't know how you listen to this one, but please share. Tell your friends, family. Anybody that you know that listens to podcasts, they want to check out something you think is cool or that you've heard a lot of stuff about or you like the topics that we've been talking about, the guests that we have on here, please share and tell them where they can listen to us at. Anything else that you want to reach out to Edge of Your Seat Podcast, shoot us a note, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com and we will answer very quickly. That's enough. Have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday are the show days now moving forward. Until next time. Peace. Now I forgot what to say. Ha, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Always trying to have great interviews. I feel like today is going to be no different than any of the rest of them. I have a good friend who I actually met through bowling when I was working for a local paper. I am talking about LaSalle, Peru, alumnus Austin Plock. How's it going, Austin? Pretty good. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) How'd you like that? I was like, ah, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, this is a show. (laughs) You fooled me.
<laughs> awesome. Met you through bowling, where you were pretty much a stud for the Cavaliers, and then... Did you cover me when I was a bowler? I don't actually remember that. I did cover you as a bowler. What year did you graduate? 12 or 13? 12. Yeah, I covered you that senior year. I started in August of 11 at the paper, and I covered that year. Actually, that Cavalier Classic that season may have been my first bowling assignment with the paper. Yeah, that was a good one. I won that one. <laughs> yep. Huh. So, yeah. Yeah. That's where it all started, Austin. Well, see, I just remember working with you. I didn't even know you covered me. As you just mentioned it, then I was a manager at the bowling alley for, oof, not quite a year. Like eight months, nine months, and we worked together quite a lot. Yeah, nine months too long, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> just because we just talked about working together, we have to talk about that video that you just sent me, like, a week ago. <laughs> It popped up in my memories. <laughs> uh, took a round and bowl after work. I was a bowler, but you really weren't. And uh, what, did you have that ball drilled for you? I did. And the thumb hole was too big or something? Yep. So I got a video of you walking up and the ball just coming out of your hand and flying backwards at me. <laughs> <laughs> and we both just started laughing instantly. <laughs> oh, it was great. I mean, you see it, like, on YouTube or, you know, sometimes. I think I've only seen it one other time in person. You laugh at him, and then when it's you, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I've probably bowled, like, three times since then. I think it's stuck in forever that that was awful. I stayed away from the bowling alley. I don't know if I actually told you this. I probably did when you did that, but I had a big problem with that my freshman year. I had, like, a new ball that didn't fit right or something. I did that at least 10 times, like, in high school matches. Oh, wow. You had never told me that. Pretty embarrassing. There was a huge, like, invitational with, like, 30 teams, and I was the very first person to bowl, and that's what I did. <laughs> the very first bowler throws it backwards. <laughs> very first person. Said to laugh that one off. Yeah, that would have been a great way to start an invitational. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did you do in that Invitational? Do you remember, or do you only remember throwing it backwards? Um, I don't remember specifically, but we didn't do too good my freshman year, so that's probably why I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So, not only being a bowler, working at the bowling alley, which you're not there anymore, are you, or you're just spot helping on when they need help? Yeah, I just, well, they're closed right now because of all that's going on, but I work there like one night a week. Sometimes pick up a bartending shift on Saturdays. Super casual. So make your spot appearances like you're a Hollywood movie star? <laughs> yeah, kind of dip my head in there. <laughs> <laughs> you actually are kind of a superstar of that bowling alley, though, because you've been around it so long. I have been there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a couple people more notable at the Super Bowl in Peru, Illinois, than you. Nate Stubler, obviously being one, state champ and all. That was fun when it was you, Nate, and I working together. That was a pretty crazy staff. Yeah, there used to be some good ones. Some fun, fun pin chasers. I think we made it fun. You can get away with a lot with that, at that job. Oh, yeah. Especially when it was us and none of us really cared. Yeah. 
Definitely. As long as nobody like robbed the place and they got their <laughs> money, we're like, hey, we're good. I even started something on fire one time. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> they still call me Torch because of that. For a minute, they were calling you Torch and me Flame. Oh my gosh. I wonder if they still call you that. They still call me Torch. They actually write Torch on some of my the envelopes that my paycheck goes in. Yeah, last time I've seen them, and even when I was still working there, they didn't call me Flame for very long. But yeah, Torch definitely stuck with you, that's for sure. Torch stuck, I think that's their favorite word to say. <laughs> so we were making food at the Super Bowl, and was it a pizza or like the nuggets, the cheese nuggets? It was probably the nuggets. That was my go-to. Yeah, we always did make some nuggets. You definitely. Anyway, you put it through the oven with the cardboard still <laughs> underneath the nuggets, and it started on fire. <laughs> oh, the whole place smelled like smoke for like three days. <laughs> and I was in the front because a league was coming in, so I'm like dealing with that, setting up the league and all this other stuff. And then a couple people come up to me and it's like, what smells like that? And I turn around and I just see a bunch of smoke. <laughs> smoke just pulling out of the kitchen. <laughs> I go in there and I'm like, Austin. Well, actually, on this podcast, I've called you Austin like three times. That is the most I've ever called you Austin. Usually I call you Plock or Plockley. Yeah, most people call me by my last name. Yeah. So I turn around, I'm like, Plock, what is going on? And then I look at the oven and I just see flames around this cardboard. <laughs> Whoops. Fond memories yeah. of the bowling alley. <laughs> That's one of the best ones. Definitely. I throw a ball backwards, you try to set the place on fire. <laughs> I told our boss about it the next day. He said, well, you should have just let it burn. I had to worry about trying to sell the place or anything. <laughs> yeah, that would have been crazy, which they just did. The Stublers, we already mentioned Nate Stubler, but his father Bob and his uncle Jim were co-owners of the bowling alley for forever, even when it was in Oglesby, and then they moved it to Peru. They just recently sold it to Joe Zocal and Eric Acuntius. Joe is, man, he was a coach at LP for a little bit, wasn't he, for bowling? Uh, I think he helped out. And then Bob took over, but Bob doesn't do it anymore. Now Joe's helping out again with Jeff Miller's the head coach, but I think Joe's helping out again. And then Eric is an assistant with Buck Emerling for St. Bede. So two guys that have been around bowling for quite a long time, been involved in the leagues forever. Yeah, a couple of really good bowlers. Probably the two best at that place. So that's cool. Besides you and I, right? Yeah, besides, yeah. I was probably the worst bowler that ever worked there. <laughs> I don't know. Not everybody that works there bowls. But at that time, I was definitely the worst. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Everybody there was bowlers. Even um, who's the older bartender who's been there forever? Is it Marianne? Marianne, yeah. She is a better bowler than me. Yeah. She's been bowling for 100 years. It was okay, though. I came in off the streets. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're not bowling, not being a manager, not trying to set establishments on fire, 
you you are also quite an established artist paintings i have one that i had you do for me with michael jordan alan iverson and kobe bryant on it first let's talk about that one have you done any other kobe pieces since the tragic death of kobe bryant in january i haven't yet i was looking at a few pictures trying to find something something cool to do i think i finally found one so i can get going on that as soon as these new canvases get here gotta order everything now because all my stores are closed (laughs) i moved into a new apartment in the end of january so i was waiting for some paychecks you know i bought some stuff for the place all this other stuff i was waiting to get a couch well i waited too long had the money in the bank but i'm so scared of ordering anything and if it gets delivered that i'm not ordering it right now and i'm like i don't know when i'm going to get a couch yeah, that's rough. Life with no couch. Oof. Good thing I got a computer chair that I just roll around everywhere. It's probably tough ordering a couch, too. Don't get to try it out. But I'm like, the only one that I know what it would be like is a futon. And I don't want a futon. I'm a grown man. Now. <laughs> uh, that's like a... That could be like a cheap... <laughs> I don't know. Temporary thing to pass the time. Just to have something to sit on. Probably get a futon for like 80 bucks. Yeah. That's true. I picked out a couch on a website. I'm like, yeah, that looks very comfortable. We'll just order it and hope it works out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just taking a risk. Just winging it. <laughs> <laughs> and if it doesn't work, I'll just try to sell it to somebody. Don't let them try it, though. <laughs> right. Like, I didn't get to try it first, so you can't try it first. <laughs> no touching. We only look at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> So just for the people that do not know about Plock Artwork, that is your, like, Facebook, and do you have a website or anything, Plock Artwork? All my social media is Plock Artwork, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and then my website is Plock.art. No.com, just Plock.art. Perfect. And if they went on there, what kind of stuff do you do? What would they find? Sports. A lot of it is Cubs stuff. I've gotten kind of lucky with the Cubs. So I've done some for a few of the players and Joe Madden. I've done one for him and he wants another one now. So a lot of Cubs stuff, but I did a lot of Blackhawks stuff back when they were good. Mostly Chicago sports stuff, pretty much anything. Definitely. Who were some of the players you met? Wilson Contreras had me do a painting for him. I've done a couple for him now. The first one I did was Jake Arietta. That was a few years ago now. Uh, I did a couple paintings for him. Didn't you go uh, to Wrigley and meet him? He wanted me to do paintings for him, and I was like, okay, you want me to bring him to you or what? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he gave me, I think it was 2015, he gave me a pair of tickets for opening day and then, like, batting practice passes to go down on the field before the game. And hang out with him for a few minutes. (laughs) That was pretty cool because he got yelled at apparently. He wasn't supposed to give out those passes for opening day. (laughs) Nobody was supposed to have those. But they liked Jake so much, they were like, okay, fine. And then I was the only person that they allowed on the field. (laughs) That had to feel pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Except when I got there, I drove up to Wrigley that day. I was like getting all my stuff. We were really early. So I was like, I'll just leave the paintings in the car for now. We can go walk around and then come back and get them when we want to go in. And I left my camera bag in the car too. 
I locked the door, shut the door, took like four steps, and I was like, oh my God, I put my keys in my camera bag, and it's in the car, and the car's locked with the paintings in it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I was supposed to meet Jake Arrieta in like an hour and give him these paintings, and now they are locked in my car. (laughs) How did you get them out? Oh my God, I was freaking out. I had to call a locksmith, and he was taking forever to get there. I ended up being late. Instead of being on the field for like an hour, I got to be on the field for about 15 minutes. Still worked out, but funny story. Don't lock your keys in your car when you're going to hang out with Cubs players. At that time, one of the biggest names, too. Actually, 2015, the second half of 2015 was when he had his like crazy, super good run. Before that, nobody knew who he was. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot I when you when you met him and, and talked to him. Yeah, you're right. It was right before his, his boom. Yeah. I remember since I was going to meet him, I went to go get, like, a jersey made. And they, like, custom make them. And the guy at the store was like, okay, what name you want on here? And I was like, Arietta. And he was like, who? <laughs> like, he didn't even know who he was. Oh, wow. But then he won the Cy Young that year. That's pretty cool. So what you're really trying to say is your paintings that you locked in the car, had to get a locksmith, was late. That's what really started Jake Arrieta's shine. Yeah, they have magic powers. People don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> you helped him get a Cy Young and then a World Series. Yeah. Although I think they have magic like trading powers because every time I give a, a painting to one of my favorite players, it seems like they get traded away. Or signed somewhere else. Jake ain't a cub anymore. I gave one to Pedro Strope, and now he's not a cub anymore. I gave one to Wilson Contreras, and there were all these trade rumors about him. So I got to start giving it to the players that I don't like. <laughs> there you go. Who's somebody on the Cubs you do not like? Because you are a huge Chicago Cubs fan. I don't know. It's hard. I like them so much. It's hard to find anybody I don't like. Elmore is kind of a bum. <laughs> Great defensive player, though. Yeah, kind of. He's just so slow. I don't know. Some of his crazy grabs, though, jumping off the wall. Seems like when he dives, he's in the air for like 30 minutes before he hits the ground. Yeah. If he can get to a ball, he's going to catch it. He's a good center fielder. He's just got to figure out how to hit the ball again. That is true. Very true. So you've been a Cubs fan pretty much your entire life, right? Yeah, forever. People have, like, these stories about their first time at Wrigley Field, and my mom's been taking me there so long, I don't even remember the first time I was there. I probably started going when I was, like, five. Can you tell us how many times you've been there? (laughs) Oh, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you're older and probably would have to buy the tickets yourself and things like that, how many times do you go a year to Wrigley? Probably, like, ten. Ten a year? Ten a year, yeah. Oh, that a boy. I try to go up there a lot. Probably favorite thing to do in the summer. Yeah, baseball is probably my, like, number three sport. I'd probably go basketball, football, baseball. But in the summer, there's nothing I'd rather do than be at the ballpark. Yeah, there's nothing like it. <laughs> it's a good time. True. Especially those Wrigley bleachers. It's a good time out there. Definitely. It's a lot of crazies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have some videos on my phone. <laughs> right. That's why, like, if I go to a Cubs game, even though I'd probably say I'm more of a White Sox fan, like, I 
grew up a Sox fan, but I've never been one of those people like, oh, it's Chicago, I'm a Sox fan, so I can't be a Cubs fan. I've always been like, hey, it's Chicago, so why not just support both teams? So that's how I've always been. But even when you're at the Cubs, I'm kind of crazy, so when I go there, I feel like I I fit in. (laughs) So it's a good time. (laughs) Yeah, it's a friendly place, for sure. Definitely, and then go to the Cubby Bear afterwards. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of bars around. Tons of them. Wrigleyville's a good time. Yeah, I would have to agree. So out of all the paintings you've done, and you've done tons, which one is probably your favorite? (laughs) The one that I just finished when they won the the World Series. It's got Rizzo and Bryant, Baez, Anderson Russell, and Mike Montgomery. It's the picture that was on the cover of the Chicago Tribune the day after they won. Okay, I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. Yeah, I wanted to do that picture. I don't know why it took me so long to do it because it's probably my favorite picture ever and I did it. Favorite painting for sure. After living your entire life as a Cubs fan and them never winning a World Series, when they did win, did you cry? (laughs) Did you cry? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Did you ball like a little baby? Honestly, at the time, no, but it's weird. If If I try to go back and watch videos of it now, it gets me. Definitely. It was monumental. I mean, obviously, they hadn't won in how many years was it? 108. 108. There we go. Hadn't won in 108 years. Takes to a game seven. And it was this, like, epic moment of, like, can they do this? So not only did it take them forever to get there, but when they do it, then they put it in the most pressure-filled situation for everybody with the organization and all the fans. (laughs) <laughs> you couldn't have rode it any better. If they rode out that game to play out like that, you wouldn't believe it because it was just too – it was one of the best games I've ever seen. It all just played out so perfectly. Rajay Davis home run to tie it off of Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> like, nobody would have ever saw that coming. I'm not going to say it's cool that we're in a quarantine and, you know, the uh, stay-at-home order and all this other stuff, but – with no sports being played, kind of the death of sports right now. It is cool that they're showing all the World Series games from that time with the Cubs and the Cleveland Indians, and it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, there's all sorts of classic stuff on right now. I just the other day watched Kerry Wood's 20 strikeout game, too. That was on ESPN. I watched that also. Yeah. It's cool. At least there's something to watch. I wish that Cubs network would <laughs> get a deal with Comcast so I could just have that channel on all the time. I don't have it either, so I wonder if they're just like playing. They could probably play a full season in like a couple weeks. I bet they could, yeah. I don't know what they've been showing because I don't have it, but I know they've been showing a lot of the playoff games and stuff. Yeah, I'd probably just show that whole World Series season. <laughs> that was uh, The whole season was great. June was kind of rough, but other than that, they were they won like 103 games. They were a good team. So what do you think has happened since then? Obviously, Chapman leaves. Um, Arietta left. Two of the biggest names pitching-wise, well, at least that season. And the bats have kind of slowed down. What do, what do you think has happened to the Cubs where they haven't come nearly to the amount of success that fans thought they were going to do with a bunch of young players and contracts? 2016, they won the World Series, and then kind of a steady decline since then. I love Joe Madden. I think he was perfect for them at the time, but I think he got a little stale and people 
got way too comfortable. There have been a lot of things said that <laughs> are pretty shocking. I don't know, just the behavior in the clubhouse. People not accountable, not ready for games. I don't know. I think them hiring David Ross was a really good move. And we have not been able to find out if it is a good move yet. <laughs> uh, I know. Dexter Fowler, too. I think he was way more important to that team than anybody realizes. Great really leadoff really man. And since then, they've been rotating people. Rizzo's been in the line of the leadoff spot. Bryant's been in the leadoff spot. They can't find a consistent great leadoff hitter since Fowler left. They just don't have one. Now they're taking Chris Bryant, definitely their best hitter. Putting their best hitter at leadoff. Guy that can hit 40 home runs, and he's going to have to be the leadoff man. If they put you on the team, could you be the leadoff guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great slap hitter. Good eye. Great speed. I'm their guy. I'll also pitch in the bullpen, too. There you go. Solve all their problems. Did you play baseball in high school? I did freshman and sophomore year. Just the first two years. So that makes perfect sense. A kid from Nowhereville, Illinois, played two years freshman, sophomore year, and then goes straight to the pros. I could, it's a movie deal. That's a Netflix movie deal. I'll even paint their clubhouse. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll be the next Matt Caesar. <laughs> Baseball player slash artist. That would be perfect. You're also a Bears fan, correct? Never really been much into football. I don't know. Maybe I was crossing my bowler co-workers. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. I told myself I was going to be a Bears fan this year, but they kind of stunk, so it's kind of hard to get into it. <laughs> Wasn't the year to do that, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Defense fell off. Khalil Mack couldn't stay healthy completely. Hicks gets hurt. That was a huge shot to the Chicago Bears defense and I don't think people realize that when Hicks went down, like that was pretty much the, the end of the season. Giant defensive tackle who is like the size of like five of me and I'm not a small guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's a bust. <laughs> uh, you did do a lot of Blackhawk stuff when they were good. Did you at least watch them this year? I'm not going to lie. I think I saw one game and that was it. I mean back when they were good I watched them every night. Now I watch them if I see that they're on. seen a few games. I had to watch at least one game because I do not know how long Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are still going to be there. They've been there, it seems like, forever. So I'm like, yeah, i got to watch at least one or two games to see them play together. I'm going to miss them when they're gone. Patrick Kane. Jeez. I remember, <laughs> it was a couple months ago, but when that NBC list, I think it was NBC list, came out with the top ten players of the decade, and Patrick Kane wasn't on it. <laughs> I don't think I was livid. I was like next to everybody. I was so mad. They call Javi Almago. Patrick Kane's like that, but for hockey. Yeah, he should have been on that list. I totally agree with that. Did you cry about that too? I didn't cry, but I was mad. He's top three for sure. Who would be the two above him? I say in any particular order, him, Ovechkin, and Crosby are the top three. Yeah, I would agree. And I don't know if that's Chicago biased because, you know, we're an hour and a half outside of Chicago and we've been Chicago fans our entire lives. But he's got the numbers and the playoff pedigree to back that yeah. up as well. Numbers, he's got the skills, three Stanley Cups, Todd Smythe. 
I mean, it was an all-rookie team in 2008 after being the first – he was the first overall pick, I believe. Stanley Cup champion in 2010, 13, and 15. All-star team 2010, 16, and 17. That's the first all-star team. He also made the all-star game in pff, 9, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Conn Smythe trophy that we were talking about, playoff MVP, won that in 2013. The Art yeah. Ross trophy, 2016. Ted Lindsay award, 2016. Hart Memorial trophy in 2016. And second mm-hmm. all-star team in 2019. So I think he's done some work. That's pretty good. <laughs> he should have been on that top 10 of the decade, no doubt. Top 10 for sure. Leaving him out, yeah. That's just, uh, I don't know. They had to do that on purpose. They just don't like him or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's ridiculous, though. Don't make me relive it here. <laughs> My anger. <laughs> <laughs> So real quick, before I let you go, just wanted to go back to your painting and stuff one more time. I think we've talked about this before, but what really got you into it? Because I think about people with skills and talents and how you find them. And how did you go about like, hey, I think I could do this. And now you've painted for Chicago Cubs players. Everybody in this area knows and loves your work. I have a painting. Just about anybody that has love for sports and any kind of collection has something by you. How did that start? That's uh, kind of a funny question. I didn't go to school for it or anything. I have an entire like binder somewhere that I just like filled with drawings when I was little. All like cartoon characters and like animals and that kind of stuff. I don't know where it is, but I feel like a whole binder. There's like 200 drawings in there. So I always kind of like was into drawing and stuff. I remember The Dark Knight came out, and I was, like, in awe of the Joker. I was like, I'm going to try painting him. <laughs> and I did a painting of Heath Ledger as the Joker, and it turned out really good. Then I just kind of started, like, doing it, just painting people that I was interested in. So it was just kind of, like, on a whim? Like, hey, I think I can do this, started drawing, and then all of a sudden you're painting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty pretty much that random, yeah. I mean, I know it's not like an obscure talent, like there's that one guy in the area that can do like, is it like uh, pictures with rice? <laughs> I've seen stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know. Like that's talking. obviously obscure and like how the heck do you know that you can put rice together to make awesome photos? I mean, yeah, it had to be like one day you're like, huh, I think I can do this. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I knew I was always into drawing, so I was like, well, just try drawing it. It turned out, I say really good, if I go back, like, and look at stuff that I did, like, 10 years ago, now, I'm like, ugh, that's, ugh. <laughs> they've, they've definitely gotten a lot better, but for the time, I was like, that's pretty good. I'm going to start doing this. What is it about your paintings or your artwork that you think sticks out? Like why people buy stuff from you and return buyer from you? I'm probably going to get you to do something for the Edge of URC podcast studio. What brings people back? People tell me. I know I definitely have a style. It's hard to explain. If you go look at my website, you'll, you can probably see what I mean. But I don't really like blend colors together. It's all just the kind of a bunch of shapes that turn into like a picture. People tell me when they see a painting by me, they know it's by me. So that's pretty cool. 
the way I like to think of your work, and I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, it's kind of like a firework. So you got the main body, which is usually the athlete, and then behind it, the way that the, the colors and shapes behind it, it's kind of like a firework, like a celebration, almost every painting of yours. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the backgrounds are pretty wild. The one that you have, <laughs> I pretty much just started chucking colors at the background. It looked pretty cool. Obviously, I love Jordan Iverson and Kobe, and that's why I had you do it. But the background with the colors and how you kind of blended in and put all three team colors, it goes Iverson's on the left, Jordan's in the middle, Kobe's on the right, and then you had the purples, the red and blacks, and then the blues and reds for Iverson. Like, it, it worked out really, really well, and you did a good job with it. I used a lot of color. <laughs> really makes it pop. It was like an explosion. Yeah. Teen color explosion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so throughout this quarantine, you know, people aren't really going to work. A lot of things are shut down or like I'm on weekly rotation. So I go to work a week and then I'm at home a week. What are, is this giving you an opportunity to do more paintings or more research of paintings that you want to do? Or what are you doing during this quarantine time? I forgot to stock up and now the store that I buy out my campuses from is closed. <laughs> So up to this point, it's pretty much just been looking at pictures. I have a few that I want to do now, though. So as soon as I order some canvases, as soon as they come in, I'll start knocking those out. Got plenty of free time. <laughs> How long does it take you to do a painting? Just the average mid-size, because I know they probably all differ from, you know, sizes and stuff like that. It's hard to tell, because I do actually like to work on more than one at once. I'll do one color on one canvas and then like I'll set it aside while it's drying instead of just like sitting there waiting for it to dry I'll go and I'll do a color on a different canvas so I don't have to stop working because once I stop working sometimes I don't start again so I like to work on more than one at a time and the work is broken up a lot I like to guess around 20-ish hours for these paintings they just have like one player on them with like the team logo or whatever in the background. Some of them take more, but yeah. What is the most money that you've made off of a painting? I mean, I've done murals. I don't know if you count that. I have made about $4,000 off this new Cubs one so far. $4,000 off of the, the World Series one you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's not the most, but that's just one of my more popular ones. Just to give you an idea. You're a baller. That's what you are. <laughs> Can you hear my mom vacuuming? No. I'm in the basement. She's vacuuming above my head. It sounds really funny. That's funny. That's hilarious. Well, Plock, Plockley, Austin, Edward, McConville, George Fredrickson, Plockley the second. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat podcast. Wow. No problem. It was fun. I'm overwhelmed with nicknames right now. <laughs> I feel like that should be your new name. I mean, you're an artist. You're about to be a baseball player for the Cubs. So you got to have a more dynamic name. <laughs> you're right. Austin ain't quite cutting it. No, we're going to have to change it up a little bit. Buckley. <laughs> Keep doing the good work, man. I love your paintings. Like I said, we will talk about getting some more of your work in the Edge of Your Seat podcast studio. Thank you for spending some time with us, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you.